This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me again today. My name is Judy Cho. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and I work with clients to get to root cause healing. Oftentimes, that is with a meat based elimination diet to do some gut healing. Okay, so instead of getting questions from、um, Instagram stories, these questions are being pulled from DMs as well as newsletter questions. Okay, what are your thoughts on detoxing vitamin A? Is it Is soluble fiber really necessary to help clear it out of the liver bile? So, obviously, I'm not a specialist in this area, but what I would say is my gut says no, that you can actually detox toxins even if you don't eat soluble fiber. But again, I'm not a specialist in removing vitamin A toxicity from the body.、Um, but what I do think is really important is that you have really good liver function. So, if you're ALT, you're AST. Um, the alkaline phosphatase, all of your liver function enzymes look good, then that's a good sign of health.、Um, you want to make sure that you're not overly iron saturated either. So, you want to make sure all of that's functioning well. If you have vitamin A toxicity and you're almost certain of it, then you may want to reduce your fat load because if you think about all fats, they will have the vitamin A, D, E, and K. Um, and then they get stored if you have excess. So, if you're trying to release, you don't want the excess coming in. So, these are just kind of my logical thought processes. I haven't worked with someone yet that specifically has vitamin A toxicity. I think Dr. Garrett Smith and Grant Jenneru are better, probably, resources. Now, I know that their outcome is just reduce all vitamin A.、Um, Kind of on the fence about that, honestly. I have talked to some people that have done tremendous healing by reducing a lot of vitamin A in terms of maybe reducing liver and maybe even some dairy. But I've also seen some people that、um, reduced all vitamin A for long periods and then they just didn't feel well either. So I think the truth kind of lies in the middle again.、Um, so if you know that you've been eating liver for way too long, your liver enzymes are high as well as、um, maybe you're iron overloaded. 
then you may want to just cut out liver. You may want to reduce dairy and egg yolks for a little bit and then reduce your fat-soluble vitamins for just a little bit. And then as you're getting better and your liver is good, you can even do liver, gallbladder flushes and that type of stuff. Uh, Then, yeah, maybe you can just eat uh, vitamin E um, under the RDA levels. So that's my input. I wouldn't necessarily go to fiber first because, again, that just goes against all the belief systems that we have with a meat-based diet, being able to thrive without some fiber. Okay. So, um, I was asked if some influencers use dogma and it's tricky. So I don't think people are inherently bad on the internet. Okay. No, I'll take that back. I do think some people, they're not common though, but I think in general, um, most people are not bad people. And I don't think most people on the internet are bad, but they may have other motives, right? So maybe it affects their livelihood so that they have to use some types of dogmas or their belief systems, or you just have to kind of keep a watchful eye with influencers. Even me, you can just be watchful. I'm totally fine with that. You will see that I'm always consistent because it's easier to just tell the truth. Then you don't have to remember all the lies, right? So um, some people like following people that seem dogmatic only because that shows consistency. Oh, so they always say to eat this and that or do this and that because they're consistent, right? But it can look like dogma and some people like it. So you just got to find and follow the people that you trust. I have listened to the electrolyte show a few times and the Redmond salt and your water, I think she means Soleil water. Um, twice a day. I sweat a lot during the job. I have a physical job and I live in Georgia. It's hot. I'm doing what you suggest today. No muscle stiffness. Yay. And I had a bowel movement without taking magnesium. Double yay. Uh, I was able to get out of the car after 40 minutes riding home after work and I was not stiff. Just wanted to thank you for your work and adding another layer to my health journey. You're very welcome. And yes, that is the key and power of electrolytes. Um, I think we need a lot more sodium generally on a meat-based diet. Not everyone does, but this is where you need to figure out uh, what works for you. Um, I think starting with Soleil water and a little bit of magnesium spray is can do wonders. And then from there, if you need to do more testing, you could do like the hair mineral. Um, and so her question is, she tried salmon last night, but it didn't look as good. What do you recommend? I'm really simple with cooking. Um, I've talked about it several times with Laura on the Cutting Against the Grain podcast, but um, I just air fry grill my salmon and I just put maybe some butter on top. I add some Redmond sea salt and that's it. And it tastes really good. Um, the key is to not overcook it cause then it gets really dry and tough. Um, but I don't really have many specialty recipes. Um, you can add a little bit of lemon, maybe a little bit of white pepper because it's less oxalates than black pepper, but that may, um, add a little bit more flavor, but you just got to figure out what's, uh, make sense for you. Just try different recipes. I would look online and search for salmon recipes and then make it carnivore friendly. Some people use pork rinds and then just kind of uh, break it up and make it like breadcrumbs. And then you can try that too. Do you have suggestions or blogs about skincare products? I used to love Aveeno, but it has soybean oil and lecithin in some of their products. I assume the inflammatory oils are also bad topically, right? I do have a product YouTube video from a long time ago. I would use two apps. Uh, Let me look it up really quickly. So one of them is called Think Dirty. um, And then the other one is Healthy Living by the Environmental Working Group. You want to basically get the ones that they define as good. So there's less colors, less perfumes, um, and then less toxins. And so if you find products, and I'm 
really product agnostic, but if you find products that are closer to the green side or the low number side, that's a good thing. Um, for soap, I personally use Dove. Now I know there's some toxins in it, but in general, it's in the green. Um, it's economical. And um, my parents used it on me growing up. So we get the unscented sensitive one. So um, yeah, we just use that. And in general, I use very, very few skincare products. I'll use some tallow, skincare tallow, and I'll use that. And I'll use um, like this one is White Oak Pastures Lip Balm. It's grass-fed uh, tallow. And it has a little bit of peppermint. Peppermint, if you smell it, can help with headaches. And uh, when I clean, I mean, I generally just use unscented baby wipes. It's, it does a trick. Um, but skincare, yeah, I just, um, I sometimes use a little bit of vitamin E oil and uh, get a, obviously a high quality one and I'll just kind of rub it on my face. But I use tallow. I mean, it's so boring and so simple. Hello, I just started the carnivore diet Tuesday and so far so good. She wrote to me three days later, just FYI. I'm looking forward to following you on Instagram. Um, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share the brand maker of your air fryer, if you love it and recommend it. Um, and then she mentions that she bought other ones that are mediocre. Okay. So I bought an air fryer not too long ago, a new one. Um, and I like it because the temperature is much higher. So now it goes up to 400 plus degrees and the char outside is pretty good. Um, the thing I don't like about it is the door is so much more heavier than the base of the body. So when you open, you have to kind of hold against um, the body so that it doesn't topple over. The other thing is because it's more like a conventional oven, when you flip the steak in the middle of cooking, uh, it's kind of hard to not hit the top of the oven as well as the um, the juice is falling out. So that the conventional air fryers, um, I don't have a specific one. I recommend the old one I used to use. Um, the temperature doesn't get super hot. It goes up to 365 and I didn't like it enough. So um, I will link to my Amazon product page and both of them are there. So you could take a look. And then um, what I typically do on Amazon is since there's so many fake reviews on Amazon is I go to the the lowest ratings on Amazon products. And then as long as there's not too crazy of bad reviews, then that's the one I kind of pick. Um, so that's kind of how I generally do it. Um, and there's a lot of Amazon products that have a lot of good uh, reviews for air fryer. So you may want to take a look there and then just kind of look at, you know, peruse the bad reviews and see is there anything that would be deal breakers. Hi, Judy. I just listened to your new podcast with Dr. Bright on carbs and thyroid hormones. Do you have any info on raw milk? I used to keep some carnivore carbs in my system, about 50 grams per liter, and would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, so I am a big fan of raw milk. Um, I think that if you are going to drink raw milk, you should definitely trust your source. Um, I have a few blog posts on raw milk and how it has all the digestive enzymes and everything that you need for raw milk to be therapeutic. Now, you know, we don't, pasteurize or homogenize uh, breast milk. And so why do we do that with raw milk? But there are pathogens we do kill with pasteurization. So it's something to consider. But if you trust your farmer, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we get our raw goat's milk from a farmer for the last six years now, and never once have my kids been sick, but he also tests his milk every once in a while. And I really trust him. Um, that's what's key. But in terms of nutrition and the benefits and all that, um, I have a whole uh, blog post. I think there's two. So I will share the links to that in the show notes. Hi, Judy. You mentioned having gout and eating meat with fruit. Where can I find research on this? Okay. So I did a ton of research on gout and uric acid and nitrogen 
because when I had the discussion with Dr. Sai West, we went into a lot of those details. So I am going to pull up one graphic I found. I will do a separate video on my research and kind of where I stand with all of it. But essentially, you may want to look at this post um, from Kevin Stock, and I'll link to this actual post, but it's the effects of fructose and how it affects your uric acid and insulin resistance. So right here, it says fructose like alcohol burns through ATP, which is our energy source, which contains purines that then get broken down into uric acid. Just like drinking alcohol can intoxicate you when alcohol doesn't even have purines, um, but it doubles our uric acid levels. What the issue is, is that it interferes with the kidney's ability to excrete them. So just like with fructose, fructose metabolizes and there's lactic acid, which then reduces the excretion of uric acid. And so then there's issues with possibly excess uric acid, which then may risk higher chances of gout. I will link to this blog post and then you can read up more on it, but I will do a separate video on the whole uric acid and purines and what that all means for a meat-based diet. Why is it better to check your blood sugars when you first wake up? Um, I think it's also ketones, but the reason why I like checking in the morning, yes, there's a dawn effect where basically your cortisol will be higher in the morning. So therefore your blood sugar, but in general, it's a baseline that at any other time will be different, right? So you sleep and then you wake up and you haven't eaten for an X amount consistently and you haven't had stress and all that stuff. Then when you track that same time every day throughout the days, then you can get good readings. And that's why I think it's ideal. And same thing with ketones. Yes, your blood sugar may be different than if you track it later in the day, but every day then differs after you wake up, right? So you can have stress in the morning, you could be eating breakfast, um, you can have um, exercise in the morning, and all of these things then impact these numbers. But if you, just as soon as you wake up, if you track, there's no real different factors that come into play. Sure, I mean, what you eat the night before, if you had bad sleep, that'll all get um, impact your numbers. But in general, there's just less variables. And so that's why I like tracking in the morning. Hello, what is the safe range number of ketones in kids? Um, I don't think it's going to be any different than adults. Um, you don't want the blood sugar to be high as well as the ketones. That's where it's ketoacidosis, which we really don't have to worry about if we're eating low carb. Um, they say that therapeutic keto is anything above 1.0 ketones. Um, and so I like my kids to be above 1.0. Now they don't have neurological issues thankfully yet. And so they don't always have to be in therapeutic, therapeutic keto. So sometimes they only have 0.5, but in general, I would say between one and three is good. Um, three is obviously very therapeutic. And if you don't need your kids to be that therapeutic, that's fine. I mean, metabolic flexibility is key. I think some days my kids run a little bit more on glucose, but in general, they always produce some amount of ketones so that if they ever are away from glucose based fuels, they can automatically go into ketosis really easily. And I think that is the key. And in general, kids get into ketosis really quickly. Uh, if you were to ever check a baby's blood ketones, they will have some um, even when they were first born. Kids love contests. So awesome. That's how I got my son to start testing his blood sugar after a few meals a week. Big time diabetes in my dad's family, and I want him to be aware of what food does to him. I think all kids should wear a CGM for four weeks. It would be better than what they learned this in 12 years of school about nutrition. Actually, that's a pretty good idea. I never thought about CGMs with kids, but that would 
really help them to understand what foods do in their bloodstream. I don't, I'm not a fan of CGMs long-term, but I think a four week amount is totally fine. And yes. Um, so just to give you guys the backstory, um, I had a contest with my kids. I said that whoever has the highest ketones after a week, um, that they would get a $10 prize. And the only reason I did it was so that I could limit their sugars. Um, Kevin hasn't been as clean with his diet and whenever he eats more carbs and he tracks every day, uh, when he gets to like the 200 grams of carbs, then he just works out harder, but my kids can't do that. So that's when they are eating more carbs and, and I'm not a fan of that. And so the way I was trying to regulate it since, you know, they're more, adult like um, human beings. Now um, I just said, let's do a contest and it worked. Um, my kids stopped eating a lot of sugar. So after dinner, if they wanted like a little bit of ice cream or fruit and said, they're like, I don't want it because they wanted to win the prize. Now, the day before the actual measurement, uh, they had some French fries and they had some ice cream. This is real life. And they were both kind of in it saying, fine, we'll both let go. And they both had some amount of ketones. They had 0.5 and 0.6, but their blood sugar was, um, I guess like 100, 103, which isn't ideal, but I know it's also because their body didn't use the blood sugar as quickly because they're normally in ketosis. So this is real life. Um, but it also just gave the kids an understanding of what is ideal blood glucose, what is ideal ketones. And my youngest is only four and he already understands that numbers under a hundred is ideal when you first wake up and then ketones above 1.0 is ideal as well. Okay. So last one, uh, what's your take on fruits? Is it better to be zero carb as compared to being lower carb? Okay, so this really depends on your metabolic history. This depends on your um, your movement and just how old you are, your genetics, um, and all of those things. For my parents personally, um, they can be moderators, meaning that they don't have sugar issues where if they have a little bit of cake, then they go binge like that was me. So for them, they try to incorporate fruit after every meat-based meal. And then their blood sugars were still going up to the 140s, 150s, um, even in the morning. So they realized, okay, maybe I can't do fruit. So now they remove all fruit and their blood sugars are more in the hundreds in the morning. And, um, and they were very diabetic before. So for them, the fruit doesn't work. If you are metabolically healthy, um, you're young, you work out, like my husband can eat fruit and have two pieces of fruit after or two whole fruits after a meal. So let's say two apples or an apple and an orange. I think that's maybe 60 grams of carbs. I'm not really sure, but his blood sugar in the morning will be low 90s and he won't um, and so it really depends again. Um, for me, if I have those two fruits, my blood sugar will for sure be in the hundreds. So that's where I think it really depends. Um, it also depends on your mental health, right? So I don't ever eat fruit. Uh, one, I feel like if I eat fruit, then it may cause some cravings for sweet foods. Um, maybe the fruit will then cause me to want to eat some sugar and some cakes and so on and so forth. So it's very individualized. I don't think fruit is bad, but it might be the gateway drug, right? The other thing is fruit does not look like the fruit it used to look like. If you look up corn back in the day or watermelon or bananas, they don't look like the way they used to. Now fruits are made intentionally sweeter. If you remember tomatoes long ago and tomatoes now, the sweet, the small um, cherry tomatoes, they are so much sweeter now. And I think it's intentionally made that way than they were long time ago. So do I think we should eat fruit? Maybe, but um, in moderation, um, maybe one a day, if that, if you can tolerate it, but with all the other factors, it may not be ideal for you. Again, it really depends on your metabolic health.
All right, guys, I hope that this Q&A has helped you guys. I will put all the links to everything I was talking about in the show notes. So if you want to look more into the things I was talking about, feel free to look there. Um, I will be doing this once a month. So if you have any questions, just leave them in the comments and I will try to answer them in the next Q&A. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys later. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.